wife Stacy and I have very different preferred ways of creating a road trip. Now, she's not here, so I'm going to have some fun with this. Um, she is what you would call uh, analog. She's a big fan of paper maps, atlases. Like, she has what looks to be like a library, like kind of tucked away in the back seat. And she wants to know as much as she possibly can on a road trip. She, she needs to know where she's going, but every uh, road that can get her there, every back road that if we need a plan B because of construction or, you know, traffic or something like that, she's always got a plan B because she has all that information. I am the complete opposite. I'm not saying one is better, but, okay, so I'm completely digital. I'm the day of road trip. I, I jump in the van, and I take out my phone, and I politely ask, I politely ask, I know, it's technology, but my mom raised me right. I say, Siri, can you please give me directions to, you know, Texas? And Siri's like, sure, no problem, take a left-hand turn. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I need to know. Not a lot of information. Give me the next step, okay? Because I could get lost. There's too much stuff going on. I love simple technology. Now, my wife will make fun of me, and rightly so, because there was at least one time uh, where I didn't put the information in my phone correctly, and so not once, not twice, three times, like past the destination and turned around and past the destination and turned around. And finally, she just looks at me and goes, hey, John, it's like right there. I'm like, ah, and we got to our destinations, it's totally fine. But we have different methods of going about creating a road trip. Now, there are three things that I think are, are essential to create a positive road trip. Number one, I know this sounds silly, but you need to know where you're starting from. It's real simple, it's real easy. Where are you? Bloomington, Indiana, United States, planet Earth, I don't care what your destination is, you need to figure out where you're starting from. Second of all, you need to have a clear destination. Now, just a few seconds ago, I said something ridiculous. I said, Siri, can you point me to Texas? What do you think my phone would actually do if I wanted directions to Texas? It would say, nope. <laughs> really? But if I said, hey, Siri, can you please give me directions to Fiesta, Texas? It's an amusement park in San Antonio. She would say, yeah, sure, that sounds great. Take a left-hand turn. And I'm like, yay, I'm on my way. Okay? So you need a specific destination or you'll totally get lost. And the third, uh, the third thing we need is detailed directions to get to our destination. Without one of those three, we're probably going to get lost. We're, we're going to be late for sure. It's just not going to turn out well. Now, if you're anything like me, we need a clear plan and destination when it comes to our spiritual health. Spiritual health, a relationship with Christ, is not an accidental situation. You don't wake up one day and go, oh, me and Jesus, we're doing all right, here we go. Spiritual health is kind of like our physical health. We don't roll out of bed and go, abs, yeah, that's great, I should have did that years ago. No, you got to have a plan, you got to have a destination, you got to stop drinking milkshakes at 9 p.m. I got a problem at 9 p.m. Anybody else have ice cream at 9 p.m.? Moving on, okay. <laughs> Who needs abs, right? Um, too much information can be overwhelming, and we, we may have the potential of getting stuck. If we just have too much information, my wife, I love her to death, but she has all of these maps laid out, and I look at it, it's blurry, and it's everywhere. I just need one simple, am I making a left-hand turn or a right-hand turn? Too much information kind of just kind of bogs me down and, and slows me. Well, what's even worse is a vague Def, uh, destination, our lives can get lost in the details and our growth is stunned. If we don't truly know where we're going, we're really not going to ever get there. So when we talk spiritual health, we need a positive, 
plan to get to a specific destination. So, uh, today we are continuing our Step Goals series, Walking with Jesus Daily. The last few weeks we've talked about different aspects of Jesus, the human, 100% human and 100% God, and how we walk with him so that we can be more Christ-like. Today we are looking at how Jesus interacted with Scripture. How did Jesus interact with the Old Testament, what we would call Old Testament scriptures? Now, this sermon is going to be, boil it down, are we reading our Bible? <laughs> Ready? I'm just going to give it to you. And immediately I can imagine, if I'm sitting in the pew and you're looking up at whomever, you're going to feel this pressure, this guilt. So I'm just going to take the air out of the room. I don't care how much scripture you've read today. Last week, last month, 2017. I forgive you. Matter of fact, I want you to feel that. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay, I struggle too. Give them a high five, shake their hand and say, I forgive you. It's okay, do it now. Come on, go. Come on. Audience participation. It's okay, I forgive you. It's okay. But we can do better. Straight up, we can do better. So when we talk scripture today, I don't want anybody thinking like, oh, it's been a week, a month. It's, what year is it? Since the last time I read my Bible. Get rid of that guilt. It's, it's just gonna get in your way. All right, so my goal today is to not to give you a lot of answers, but try to pique your curiosity. I would like you to walk out of this auditorium this morning asking yourself, well, but John, is he right? Well, I, I don't think so, but that's normal. But whatever it is, I want you to spur on a conversation maybe in your family over uh, at Denny's later on at lunch. I don't care where it is. Hopefully I leave you with more questions than answers. All right, so if Jesus is fully God and fully human, okay, that in itself is difficult. How can someone be fully God and fully human at the same time? That is very difficult. It's kind of painful. Let me ask a silly question. Did he need to interact with scripture? If Jesus was fully God and fully human, did he need to interact with scripture? Okay, some would say, well, no, 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 Jesus is a baby. He had all the information of the cosmos in his brain. It was all downloaded. It was right there. He didn't really need to interact with scripture. He didn't need to read. He didn't need to study. He didn't need to submit. All these kind of things. No, 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 no. Well, maybe, maybe when he was like a teenager, he woke up one day and went, oh, that's right. I'm God. I've got a job to do. Or maybe it was when uh, John the Baptist dunked him in the, in the Jordan River and he came up and the spirit like a dove descended down and he's like, oh, this is, uh-oh, the cross. And it just all flooded in. So if Jesus is fully God and fully human, did he need to read his Bible? Sounds like an interesting question. Now, some might say, well, if he was fully God, it was just downloaded like the Matrix. Anybody see the Matrix? Don't raise your hand. It's rated R. It's okay. Um, there was a part in the Matrix where the, uh, one of the protagonists is like, oh, no, I don't know how to fly a helicopter. And the other one's like, don't worry. Click, click, click. Now you do. And she's like, oh, I can do that. Okay, fully God and fully human. This is stuff that kind of keeps me up at night. How do we deal with this? What if, and here's the question you can agree or disagree with. What if? John, the, the Gospel of John calls Jesus the Word, the Word of God. The Word was at creation and was a part of the creation process. What if Jesus, the Word, directed the Old Testament in such a way that he literally created a roadmap for himself? What if the Word ordained 
directed, manipulated the Old Testament writers to literally write down not only his destination, which was the cross, but the details on how to get there. What if? So either God is fully man and fully human, and I believe that. So either he had all the information at birth, or he had to interact with Scripture. Because one or the other doesn't work. If he knew everything, why would he study Scripture? Why would he memorize? Why would he live this out? So this is something I'm kind of juggling with myself, trying to figure out where and how I feel about that. This is pretty crazy, right? Jesus was the Word. Jesus, uh, the Word was given to man, and Jesus used the Word for his life map. I'm not saying it's accurate, I'm saying, what if? What if? Now, I know this is a little bit confusing, and I apologize, but I want to muddy the water just a little bit more. I have uh, a movie clip from uh, Back to the Future. Any Back to the Future fans in here? Oh, oh, they're, they're hidden. They're, they're embarrassed. Come on, it's PG. It's a good movie. It's a little dated, I understand. Um, but let me set this clip up. Marty McFly, the antagonist, is stuck in the past. Doc Brown, his friend who just happened to make a time machine out of a DeLorean, I know I'm nerding out, but that's okay, fiction can be fun, uh, finds himself stuck farther back in time, about 70 years. Without instruction, Marty is lost. He has no direction. He has no way to get from point A to point B until Doc does something kind of ridiculous from the past. Let's take a look at this clip. Western Union. Actually, a bunch of us at the office were kind of hoping maybe you could shed some light on the subject. So we've had that envelope in our possession for the past 70 years. It was given to us with the explicit instructions that it be delivered to a young man with your description, answering to the name of Marty at this exact location, at this exact minute, November 12, 1955. We had a little bet going as to whether this Marty would actually be here. Looks like I lost. <laughs> Did you say 70 years? Yeah, 70 years, two months, uh, 12 days to be exact. Here, sign on line six, please. Here you are. It's from the top! What if? Jesus orchestrated the Old Testament to literally write himself a letter with specific instructions, his job description, the details on how to get to that destination. What if? And it's a big what if, and since Tom's not here, I can ask what if. All right, here we go. Let's dive right into this. Uh, we're going to look at how Jesus interacted with Scripture. Number one, Jesus studied the Scriptures. He poured himself into it. Eighty times Jesus quotes the Old Testament. 80 times the writers of the New Testament said Jesus quoted the Old Testament. Um, in that culture, a good 12-year-old Jewish boy who had some intelligence about him would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Remember that guilt I was talking about? It might be sinking in, sinking in because, you know, that 12-year-old memorized a tenth of the Bible and we're still struggling here. It's okay, you're forgiven. It's cool, we can do better. Okay? But this was the culture he was in. Now Luke 2, 4 through, uh, Luke 2, 46 and 52 says this about a 12-ish year old Jesus. We find him in the temple. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, and this is crazy, listening to them and asking them questions. Jesus was at the experts of the law, listening 
taking notes and asking great questions. As a matter of fact, questions to the point where uh, the men walked around and said, who, who, who is this carpenter's kid? Who is this little guy that's asking amazing questions? Okay, He was learning. He was asking questions. And he wasn't necessarily asking the question like, hey, really, did you know this? I need to teach you. If your mom ever looked at you and said, hey, man, did you take a cookie from the cookie jar, knowing she knows you took a cookie from the cookie jar? One of those things, I don't think it was these kind of questions. Because later, in 52, it says this, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in knowledge, grew in wisdom. He, 100% human, like us, had to grow in his understanding of God's will through the Scripture. Okay? What about the next one? John 7, 7, uh, 16 through 17 says this, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teachings come from God or whether I speak, um, I, I speak on my own. Okay? He says, test this. Read the Old Testament and see if I'm doing what I want to do. Test this. He says, you know what? I've studied the Old Testament. I've memorized the Old Testament. I have been through it over and over, and this is exactly what I feel like God is calling me to do. And this is not my will, but it's the Father's. He studied his scripture. Here's a fun little quote. Uh, Howard G. Hendricks, Dallas Theological Seminary uh, professor once said, dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. Either scripture is changing us, or the world squeezes us into its mold. I don't know about you, but this one, this one kind of hurts me. It hurts my heart. Because there are some things that I look at in this world and I react because of my passions. Politically sometimes, how people are treated, how I treat my wife, who treats my kids, all these kind of things. Am I reacting out of my emotional baggage, my experiences, or am I reacting because what God's word has called me to think, feel, and act? We need scripture to help us determine if it is our thoughts or if it's God's thoughts. Number two, Jesus submitted to the scriptures. Nobody likes the word submit. Raise your, no, don't even raise your hand. Nobody likes the word submit. As Americans, we don't like it when we're under people. But Jesus not only studied scripture, he submitted to it. Let's look at, let's look at this. Matthew uh, 26, 53 to 56. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat on the temple courts teaching, you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted and fled him. This scene is literally at the garden where he's about, being, about to be arrested on trumped up charges in the middle of the night, very illegal at the time. Um, and he's basically saying this, I have a choice. I know why. I know exactly what this road leads to. It leads to humiliation, pain, destruction, and death on a cross. And he says, if I don't do this, if I don't submit to the scripture, I can't fulfill God's salvation plan for his people. He could have said, oh, no, no, I'm out. I'm good. Pass. We'll find something else. But he didn't. He read the scriptures, he studied the scriptures, and he submitted and said, this is what needs to happen. 
Now, Luke 24, uh, 24, 25 through 27 says this, and I love this because have you ever felt an eye roll in your life? Like somebody in the room is going like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Jesus is looking at his disciples and says this. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all what the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory before he enters his glory? Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them, uh, what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, his friends who have hung out with him for a while now, these men and women who've been traveling with Jesus, wanted Jesus to be an earthly king. He wanted Jesus to kick Rome out and create this uh, Israel uh, super fortress uh, of country, world-dominating country. And he says, I'm, I'm not an earthly king. I'm not an emperor. I'm not a ruler. I am the Messiah. Have you not read? And then, this is hilarious, he goes, from Moses, down each story, in each scripture, it says to his buddies, have you not read? Have you not seen? I've had to fulfill. This is about me. This is literally what's happening, and I have to suffer because I have to submit to what the salvation plan is for our lives. God says about Jesus, never less than God, Jesus chose to live his life never more than man. Let me say this again. Never less than God, Jesus chose to live his life never more than man. He submitted to the scriptures. Not only did he study, he submitted, and he actually used scripture in his daily life. Last, last point I want to make. Jesus used the scriptures. Matthew 4, 2 through 10. Right after Jesus was baptized, he was led to the wilderness where the tempter, the devil, the evil one, the liar, whatever you want to call him, um, comes up to him and starts kind of poking Jesus to see what he can get done. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I feel like that's an understatement. He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you, if, if you are the son of man, Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is Jesus' response? He quotes scripture. He uses it against temptation. The devil looks at him and says, if you're a big deal, if you're God's son, if, if, if. Jesus says, no, 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 you haven't heard it is written. You need to read that. The second one, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord God to your test. Again, he throws back in the devil's face, scripture. Temptation equals scripture, okay? Last one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord God and serve him only. Not only did he study, not only did he submit, he was prepared for the life's pain and frustration and temptation. If Jesus was fully God and fully human, did he have to interact with the scriptures? I say, yes. Yes, he did. And he used them to the best of his ability. Now, if Jesus was word-centered, how can we follow his example? Most of us in here are Christians. If you're not, if you're brand new, first time here, first of all, congratulations for doing something scary. Way to show up to church. Nicely done. Welcome. Welcome. 
But in all honesty, if we're trying to follow Jesus Christ and and figure out how we can be more like him and less like us, we've got to be word-centered. We have to be word-centered. Here's a few steps we can take to be word-centered like Christ. Number one, we can ask the question, what have I done today to connect with God and be more like Jesus Christ? Let's not worry about a week from now. Let's not worry about a month or a year or a decade. Let's worry about today. Ask yourself the question, what have I done to connect myself with God and, and um, connect with Jesus Christ? Be more like Jesus Christ. Have I had a hard conversation with somebody? Have I opened my Bible? Have I been to a study? Have I, have I sat down and had coffee with somebody and just shared my faith? These are things that we can just do on a daily to grow closer and be more like Christ. All right, so let's go through kind of some steps. Number one, I know this might sound silly, you need a Bible. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we're a church. We'll give you one. We got them laying around. You can take it. Matter of fact, if you've got a smartphone, you can download um, version. I have 37 versions of the Bible on my phone. I only use two. That might be overkill. Like, I might be, I might be mis- misusing that, but it's free. These pieces of scripture are free. Let us help you with that. Maybe number two, uh, if you own a Bible, maybe it's time to find a reading plan that's right for you. Maybe... You're a person that loves the idea of reading uh, the Bible in a year. That, uh, it hurts my heart. It's not my thing. It's too much information. I don't know if I'm gleaning anything besides checking a box off. To me, I I need to like study a book of the Bible for a month or two and be like, I want to be a fairly decent expert at this book instead of reading a ton. But that's me. I don't know, maybe it's you. Maybe about, what about right now media? Um, Sherwood Oaks Christian Church has invested a good deal of let's just call it, you know, resources into uh, Right Now Media. This is a free app that you can have in your home, in your life group, with your family, kids, that have amazing Bible studies that you can watch 10, 20, 30 minutes and have great questions uh, and follow it. Or maybe if you're just saying, man, I just have five to seven minutes, what about the Bible Project? YouTube, look it up. Uh, For visual learners like me, I love it. They sketch out kind of an overview of a book of the Bible, give me the high points, and then I get excited and I start reading and studying that. Maybe that's for you. Maybe it's time for you to lead in your home and your neighborhood. Maybe if you're like me, we've been a part of the congregation or or the church culture for a long time. We've got a ton of information about God floating up there, but now it's time to actually pull the trigger and help other people, our families, our neighbors. Maybe it's time to have a cup of coffee and some people over and just ask them. And they might say no, that's okay. People say no all the time. But ask them to have a spiritual conversation. Maybe the last one is this, is to mentor others. Maybe it's time to hang out at the wagon wheel or maybe it's time to hang out at Starbucks um, once a week, a couple times a month, you and a buddy, and honestly ask hard questions about your life. Finding a little bit of accountability and growing together in faith. These are all steps, and this is my prayer for you guys. As we wrap this thing up, my prayer for you is that you walk away saying, oh, I I need to do more. I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you guys to get in your word. I don't want to just be another preacher that's like, you need to read your Bible. I get it. It's hard. We can do better, though. We can. Start today. Pick one of these things and say, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to pick one and move on. Here's, um, here's a piece of scripture that I'll leave you with, and I absolutely positively love it. It's great in this, uh, uh, this position. is Psalm 119, 105. And it says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. This piece of scripture says, the next step will be illuminated for you. Not the whole journey. 
If we dive into scripture and we truly study what it is, God will literally lay out what our next step is. And I love that. As somebody who wants just to, hey, John, take a left-hand turn next, that's what I love. And I want to encourage you. What if, what would happen if this church took seriously this idea of if Jesus was in the word, we need to be in the word? We would gain a clear direction from God. We would lose the endless confusion of God's will for our life. What do I go? Where do I do? What's my job description? We would feel a little more comfortable with that. We would gain a clear job description in this life. We'll lose the panic of winging it in our faith. Anyone like me feel like sometimes I'm just winging it and hoping for the very best today in my faith with Jesus Christ. My spiritual health needs to be full of purpose. And the last one, we would gain trust that God is in control of whatever is happening around us, we will lose that nagging feeling of doubt or fear. My hope and my encouragement, my prayer for you as you walk out of here excited about, man, I need to find something and I need to take that next step in scripture because that's what Jesus did. He set the great example. We could have details about the destination we, we can reach. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for living in a country that we can have scripture. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to share it. Literally every single one of us can have a Bible in our car, in our homes, in our works. We have the freedom to digest your word. Help us, Father, take that next step, whatever it might be, that we can read and study, that we can ask questions from other people. We don't have to be theologians. We just need to be followers. Help us be servants and understand your will for our lives. Thank you for this congregation and this beautiful day. It's in Jesus' name, amen.